Well, here we are at the beginning of July, and I'm going to say a few words about Ukraine. This will go out on the 4th of July, I guess. So, so there you go. What to say about Ukraine? I want to give you the Russian position because I think it's very important that you understand this if you don't already. And it's not as straightforward as you might think. Obviously, the Russians want to take the Donbass. That's, that's a given. They said that, that that's it. That's what they want. I personally genuinely believe that's the limit of their objective. Well, they claim other objectives, but really, this has been too costly a war for them. So Russia wants the Donbass. It will take the Donbass. It will expend endless lives until it takes the Donbass. It's an existential issue for them as far as they are concerned from their perspective. And their main objective beyond that is the Ukraine remains non-aligned or in the sense of not being a member of NATO. That's a given, of course. They don't care too much about anything else. They're happy to see the grain exported, though doubtless it would have to go not from Mariupol, but from uh, another port. That's not an issue. There is an issue as far as regards time. We need a, a ceasefire pretty swiftly in order to get that grain exported. And that's difficult, of course, because of the need to take the Donbass. The mines, as you know, in the Black Sea were put there by Ukraine in order to protect its ports uh, from Russian warships. So they're not Russian mines, they're Ukrainian mines. Of course, there is that absolute caveat in times of war, warships are not allowed through uh, the Straits at Istanbul into the Black Sea or out, or at least they can return to their home port, but that's, uh, that's it. They can't travel any further. Which means what? Means that to get British minesweepers. Britain has the best, um, the most elite minesweeping capability in the world. You get British minesweepers in. There are, I think, 11 ships the Royal Navy has that are outfitted suitably for minesweeping. It's, uh, it's a thing that we do well. We do it effectively. We're good at it. So we need a special agreement to let the boats in, but that could be done. Not a problem. Uh, just needs cooperation from Turkey, a little dis high-level discussion. It could be done instantly. And you're worried about the insurance for the boats that are in there, that are going to ship the grain? Not a problem. There are plenty of boats already trapped in there. Yeah, no, it's not a, it's not a problem because uh, Britain and America can underwrite the insurance on the boats. You don't need to worry about that. Uh, so that's doable. It's vital that the grain is shipped now. Why? Because uh, there's grain standing in the fields. So what? So the grain can be shifted. It's not a big deal, uh, but it has to be done at once. We need the agreement at once. We need to stop messing around. And then that can go. Otherwise, we're going to see all that beautiful grain burnt in the fields, and the children of Africa will blame us quite rightly or well, they won't we'll make excuses but it will be our fault the issue of peace talks are very difficult I, these this you could have a ceasefire just for the grain and that could be negotiated if there's a political will but you see it's difficult isn't it it's difficult for us for 
Britain, America and the rest to accept a ceasefire on that basis, let alone the Russians, who don't want to stop fighting until they've taken the Donbass. But I think the Russians could be bullied into it with the right approach. That seems the... Uh, the implication of the talks we've been having with them, and we've had extensive talks, obviously, with people from Russia. The problem is that Russia's kind of changing a problem. Maybe it's not a problem. Russia, Russia's changing its political philosophy to one of uh, what you might call rationalism instead of nationalism. So the, Russia is taking a kind of you wouldn't believe it, perhaps, but taking a French approach. You know the French approach for foreign policy is vive la France. That's it, simple, straightforward, very easy to understand French foreign policy, unlike the British and American who confuse it with other issues. Russia's moving towards a French-style foreign policy, along with China. China and Russia now are in close alliance, uh, reinforced, of course, by Biden's approach with regard to Taiwan. Uh, his his recent statement at the meeting of the Quad, whereby he said that America would uh, go to war for Taiwan. Unfortunate, uh, misguided remark on Biden's part, but there you go, he said it. And, of course, that drove, drove Russia and China, um, or China, closer to Russia. The, so it's an interesting time, and this this kind of pragmatic approach to foreign policy. I know you won't think it's pragmatic when the Russian, so many lives are being, Russian lives are being lost. The number of Russian boys who have died uh, quadruple the number of Ukrainian lives lost, No, without a shadow of doubt, including civilians. Now, of course, that's not the point. Russia doesn't think that way, unfortunately. So these sacrifices are made, and it doesn't seem to give Russia real pause. It's very unfortunate. It's what it is. It's a fact of life. Now, can we defeat Russia? Can we? Yes, of course, I suppose. Throw enough weapons and arms at it eventually, maybe. But what will be left? We lose the grain harvest. We lose everything. Ukrainian president has made it very clear again and again and again and again and again that he's ready for peace talks. Time to push that agenda rather more seriously than we have. The Indonesian president has been going out on a limb. He's up, been up in, in Russia trying to, trying to be helpful. Yeah, it's the moment. It's the time. And it's doable. It's not satisfactory. But there are bigger issues here. We need the grain out. A ceasefire or a peace negotiation can be achieved. Russia will not give up its claim to the Donbass, or obviously to Crimea. And so we've got to live with that or see a long, long Vietnam-style war. Up to you and me, I guess. There's no other choice it's got to be dealt with, and it's time, really, to face this decision. It's urgent. It's vital we do that. <laughs> the world will suffer. I mean, it's not just a question of our poorer population who can't pay for their fuel because the bills are so high. Our bills are colossal now. It is colossal, the, the price we all have to pay now.
for fuel and energy. Petrol, I couldn't believe the price at the pumps. All so, so, so expensive, all because of the war and the sanctions we have required to be put on the Russian people because of the war. And then we get kicked back and fix us, of course. But that's not the point. The point is the grain harvest. You're talking about the breadbasket of the world. Of course, Britain can produce vast amounts of grain if we change our policies. We can go back to our old wartime policies. Uh, Britain used to produce, I mean, um, 10 tons, is it 10 tons an acre? We used to produce more, had more agricultural production than uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada combined at one point, in the, right through to the 70s. But that's over. Uh, we have a different approach. We can go back to that intensive agriculture, that heavy subsidized grain production. We can go back to that, as can other countries of the world. We can make up for the shortfall because of the absence of Ukrainian grain. And we can do it on a huge scale and throw the chemicals at the land and produce mass. It's doable. But far easier, far, far easier to swallow our pride and negotiate a ceasefire now before the crops in Ukraine have to be burnt in the fields and the children in Africa start to starve.